You've landed on the Lonely Diplomat podcast, and wherever you are in the world, welcome. I'm Phil McAuliffe, and I'm the Lonely Diplomat. You've pressed play on episode 57, and we're going to be having a chat very shortly about the concept of being overwhelmed and how you and I can manage it. But before we get too far into the episode, I want to do three things. The first is that I want to pay my respects to the elders of the Ngunnawal people, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge them as the traditional custodians of the land upon which this episode was recorded, edited and uploaded. I want to extend that acknowledgement to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening and to all First Nations peoples wherever you're listening in the world. Secondly, I want to recognize your courage because, well, it takes courage to press play on content relating to loneliness or the not-so-shiny other side of the diplomatic coin. You don't go looking for content on loneliness unless you recognize that you're feeling lonely. And this is a big step. And I want to say that I see you and I recognize your courage. Whether this is your first time listening to an episode of the Lonely Diplomat podcast or you've listened to all 56 other episodes of the podcast, either way, it takes courage to be here and I recognize that and I want to thank you for being here. Finally, I have a website, thelonelydiplomat.com, which has content and details of all my services that are designed to support you as you live your diplomatic life and help you reconnect with yourself and the world around you. All of that is at thelonelydiplomat.com and there's a link in the episode description that will take you straight there. And now to overwhelm. Overwhelm feels like it's everywhere right now. You may have noticed this too. You may have seen some the word overwhelm appearing in your social media feed. You may have noticed articles or stories on in the print media or on TV about overwhelm and how, well, really it's ubiquitous and how it's really dangerous for us as humans to live in a constant state of overwhelm. And the whole concept of overwhelm was reinforced uh, with me yesterday as I was walking through the aisles of a local bookstore here in Canberra. And the store was an outlet of a national chain of bookstores here in Australia. And I spent, you know, some happy minutes wandering the aisle and there's something very calming and reassuring about bookstores and in a similar way to libraries, isn't there? Because there's something, I don't know, like it's quiet, it's there's there's surrounded by knowledge and the potential for knowledge and just I don't know, like the quiet and the smell. I find them a very calming place. But yesterday I found myself, as so often is the case, that I like I was in the self-help aisle and I counted no less than four without really trying I counted four titles that had the word overwhelm in the title and I thought oh that's really interesting and I looked a bit closer and there was a whole lot more books they weren't 
if they didn't have the concept of overwhelm, were uh, didn't have the word overwhelm in them, they were dealing certainly with the concept of overwhelm. There were words like calm and peace and all these sort of words that sort of bring us back into ourselves. And I sort of thought, oh, gee, that's really interesting. I need to sort of mention that on the podcast. One, one reason is that, you know, it is certainly everywhere. It feels like it is to me, and you may have noticed this too. But then the other reason is this is a big departure from the titles that we found in self-help aisles globally um, sort of five years ago where all of the, um, all of the titles seem to have like pretty harsh swear words in them. There were all these sorts of books about how to untruck your life and the subtle art of not giving a truck. Um, and, you know, um, you know, if it wasn't, yeah, you know what I mean? Like they just seem to be everywhere, those, those books, and they're still there. They're still there. Um, they're just not facing out. You only see the spine. And so those precious uh, centimeters on bookshelf, aisle spaces like in the on the shelves are given over to those books uh where we can see their front covers are on calm and peace and managing overwhelm and being de-stressed and centered and all that kind of stuff and i think that's something that speaks to a wider issue now in society. We've had a pretty big last few years where it has been overwhelming. And just to be human has been overwhelming going through the the you know the the health crisis of the last few years. But I did notice not only you know have you know the 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 the, the titles actually dialed it down a few notches from you know very loud swearing at us uh, and trying to shock us into buying this book. Now we're sort of, you know, being being lulled and invited to be calm. But none of those books, none of those titles had anything on being a diplomat. Nothing had anything on being a person who lives the diplomatic life. So... This content that you're listening to is really topical because there's not much, if anything, at the moment, globally, that is designed to to help you as you live your diplomatic life in negotiating the thoughts and feelings of being overwhelmed as you live that life. So there's got to be some really good books that are available to you in local bookstores or online that can help you really feel less overwhelmed. But there's very little that is devoted solely to you as you live your diplomatic life. Except here, where all the content is focused on you as you live your diplomatic life. So now to the concept of overwhelm. This was really, I guess, a concept that I've been really wrestling with over the past few weeks and months. And if you aren't aware, like last year, I left 
my employment at uh, an employing agency in the Australian Public Service and am negotiating my way in life, in the world, as the lonely diplomat, as the loneliness guy, as an expert on loneliness and connection. And that's, you know, that's me. I'm, I'm a solo entrepreneur. And I've swapped one lot of stresses and um, priorities with another. And that's, you know, just a statement of fact. There was never going to be any, it was never going to be any different. But one of the things that I noticed, while there was no, really no different, uh, nothing different about um, swapping one set of stresses with another, my approach to those stresses has remained the same. And like you, I spent many years in the Australian public service with, well, in, in scarcity. There was never enough time, there was never enough people, and there was never enough, never enough money to respond to issues of the day in the way that really perhaps could have been done. And it was always about making do, making do with what was available, including the time, the people, the money. And oftentimes, you know, like you right now, we we kind of pull the rabbit out of the hat and make things look amazing, even if it has been done in, you know, a really short period of time and, and, you know, it was just sort of smashed out. And I'm finding that in responding to the stresses and the, 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 you know, the, the things that are happening in my life now as a solo entrepreneur, I'm, I'm responding to them in much the same way. I'm engaging what I call getting, well, you know, the expletive there, but let's say stuff, getting stuff done mode, GSD mode. And I know that I'm not alone. You likely in, engage GSD mode because it's very effective when there is a lot to do in a little amount of time and very few people to do it and, you know, not much money to get it done. We kind of just, you know, get focused and smash it out. And I still do that. And I don't know about you, but I like to think that I am extremely adept at engaging whenever GSD mode is engaged. It's kind of engaged all the time. So I kind of feel like I'm in, like I'm I'm always just lovely to be around when I'm in GSD. But I'm really lucky to have awesome people in my corner who frankly call me out on the crap that I tell myself. And my awesome partner Jeff did this for me the other day. Uh, well, a few weeks ago. It got me thinking about how I respond to the thoughts and feelings of being overwhelmed. And with kindness and honesty, uh, in much the same way that I um, invite you to have difficult conversations in life, Jeff approached the, the topic with me and said that I was not a tremendously pleasant person to be around when I'm in GSD. And he said, again, with kindness and honesty, that, you know, if it doesn't 
if if what he or, or our kids or other people in our our circle are uh, wanting to bring to my attention, wanting wanting my input, my advice, or just telling me about, uh, if it's got nothing to do with what I'm focused on, it doesn't get a look in, and that really hurt, and and you know made me sort of sit up and go, oh no, of course, like you know, he like Jeff and the kids deserve me at my best without question i deserve me at my best without question but all of the stuff that i want to get done um and remember whenever i say stuff i'm really meaning you know something else but all of the stuff that i want to get done requires me to do it right now being a solo entrepreneur is solo so everything really that it gets done needs to be done by me. I don't have the luxury right now yet of being able to delegate out certain things that you know would otherwise free my time. And I know that this is a very common issue with other solo entrepreneurs, as it is with you, diplomat, or someone who lives the diplomatic life. There's not all that many people that you can um, farm the work out to and, you know, freeing yourself up to do the, the, the other things that you, you can do. But the feedback that I got that I wasn't being present, and that was the word, I'm not present when I'm overwhelmed. And I'm almost always overwhelmed, uh, I've, I've established, that this, this, this really kind of was at odds with what I know to be important to me. It was at odds with my values of connection and caring and being committed to those most important to me. And so while the conversation was certainly uncomfortable, I'm so grateful that Jeff was courageous and did that. I was so grateful for the words delivered to me kindly and honestly, because it really prompted some reflection that has led to this content. Because what served me in trying to get ahead and, you know, to get the postings, get the promotions and opportunities to showcase my awesomeness in sort of trying to be all things to everybody in the workplace and doing things with a smile on my face and a whistle on my lips, or so I thought, was a skill or is a skill that might not actually serve me anymore. But it feels like it has become my only way of doing work. And I invite you to pay attention to this. If, if you've kind of wandered off somewhere, pay attention to this for the next few moments. The overwhelm that I feel sometimes comes from sources outside of me, but the overwhelm that I feel almost always comes from within me and how I choose to respond. What do I mean? Well, overwhelm over 23 years in the Australian public service 
kind of became my default setting. And I could smash out work. I could, you know, come up with a policy statement and briefings for all sorts of important people within, you know, a few hours. And those policy statements would sort of go forward with a bit of editing, but not much. And, you know, I kind of was proud of how I could smash it out. But now when I have a choice in how I I go forward, in how I approach my work now, that sort of that approach is not something that I need to continue to do. But I'm finding it hard to change gear. I'm finding that my capacity to smash out huge amounts of work in short amount of time is actually coming at a cost to me. It's coming at a cost to me physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially, and it's coming at a cost to those closest to me. And it's interesting that I'm okay, generally okay, at it coming at a physical, mental, and emotional, and social cost to me, but knowing that it's coming at a physical, mental, and social an emotional cost to those most important to me, that that really stung. And that's really interesting, isn't it? That I'm okay with putting it up with, I'm okay putting up with it within myself or more okay with it than I am with disappointing other people and those who I love most. I feel... That's going to be the same for you. You can endure all sorts of things within yourself, for yourself. But when it comes at a cost to those most important to you, that's tougher than dealing, than than only keeping the damage within yourself. Why is that? Why is it that we essentially damage ourselves by constantly being overwhelmed and allowing ourselves to operate in a state of being overwhelmed um, without much question? Why is it that only when it begins to show and affect others that we go, huh, this is not something that needs to continue? Why are we not giving ourselves the best? It's curious, isn't it? But I want to say that the other thing that I noticed is that when I wasn't overwhelmed and in GSD mode, everything else felt underwhelming. It wasn't exciting. It wasn't something that, you know, really sparked my attention. It was the thing that I sort of continued to kick down the road. It was the can that I continued to kick down the road because, you know, it was important, but it wasn't urgent and important. And that's like, and, and the other thing, like, I would wait until the underwhelming became overwhelming before essentially it became exciting enough for me to do. I waited, I procrastinated until things became, I don't want to say the word crisis, but things kind of became urgent for me to then do them. I created the environment rather than the calm collected, considered environment that I really want to create within myself, I waited until things were, you know, 
urgent. Someone was expecting it. That I would then sort of smash it out. Isn't that curious? And I wonder if you do the same too. But following all of that sort of reflection and, you know, from that kind and honest conversation that Jeff had, I thought, right, it's time to practice what I preach on the topic of overwhelm. And I'm now very consciously and very deliberately setting intentions Because setting intentions and then asking for support and accountability to make those intentions are a superpower to changing behaviors. And I use it within myself and I use it with you in my mentoring programs. Support and accountability are absolute game changers when it comes to making changes stick in our lives as much as for me as it is for you. And so I'm very consciously and setting deliberate intentions to do a few things. First is to simplify, to actually make things more simple on myself. And recognize this is a big one for me. Recognize that I cannot control everything that's happening and I don't need to keep trying to do that anymore. I am now what I could call myself a reforming control freak, but a control freak seems to be a term that's full of judgment. So I prefer the concept, and you might want to take this, let's make this global, a reforming control-seeking enthusiast. So I can't control everything, and I don't need to try to control everything. And I need to remind myself that in not controlling everything and not seeking to control everything, I need to let myself go. And that doesn't mean like stop going to the gym and sit around eating chocolate and potato chips. It's to let go. It's to be Elsa out of Frozen and accept things for what they are and let it go. Accept and surrender to what is. This is really hard for me. And I need to give myself the same grace, if not more grace, than I so freely give to those around me. Because if you came to me and said, Phil, I feel overwhelmed, you know, and, and, you know, how can, like, I need some help. I'd be going, yeah, that's fine. And let's explore why. And let's take some things off your plate and all that kind of stuff to help you feel more calm. However, I wouldn't be doing that within myself. I wouldn't be giving myself the same grace that I would be giving to you. And I need to check my expectations and clarify my own expectations that I have of myself and clarify the expectations that other people have on me, especially when they're requesting my time. Now that really is a game changer for me. Clarifying and being, like, well, frankly, being really clear on my own expectations that I have on myself and thinking, is this realistic? Is this actually something that I can conceivably do as an awesome human being? And if you're asking or or anyone in the world is asking something of me and their expectations are seem to be unspoken, speak them. 
ask for clarification. And this is hard. This is hard because I want to be able to do what I have done for much of the past 23 years and say, yes, I can do it. Give it to me. It'll be done. A smile on my face and a whistle on my lips. But if you are asking me, if you or anyone else is asking me for my input, my expertise, my insight, my awesomeness, I need to be really clear on what you're asking so I can set some boundaries. And the final thing that I'm, I'm practicing right now and consciously and deliberately setting intentions to do is to practice gratitude. Because when I'm in GSD mode, I'm focusing on what I need to do, what, I, you know, what I'm, I'm trying to achieve in that period of time. And I can completely forget to be grateful for what is. What is already in my life? What and who is already in my life beyond the pursuit of what's next? Gratitude and the practice of gratitude is an absolute superpower that brings you and me, when we practice it, into the moment. It is hard to project ourselves into the future and still practice gratitude for what is. And so I've been very deliberately setting intentions at the beginning of every day and then reviewing those intentions and how I delivered on those intentions when I journal of an evening. And part of that journal practice is practicing gratitude as well. I I name five things, five people, five things for which I'm grateful in that moment or have been grateful for that day. And that has been supremely effective for me to work through thoughts and feelings of being overwhelmed by giving myself grace, clarifying expectations and how realistic things are that I'm trying to do by accepting and surrendering what is. All of this combined is helping me manage my thoughts and feelings of overwhelm. It's helping me practice calm and feeling centered and being in integrity. Some days are better than others. Let's not, I'm not going to say that I'm some kind of yogi. Absolutely not. However, I'm finding it really helpful for me, and I want to share that with you just to invite you to see if practicing those things, and there's, there's a list of them in the, in the blog post if you didn't get them just now, um, where you can, like, you might want to adopt some or all of those practices into your day. But I want to explore the link between overwhelm and loneliness. Because as the lonely diplomat, it's important that we talk about loneliness. And certainly, there is a very strong link to the thoughts and feelings of being overwhelmed and loneliness as you live your diplomatic life. Because my response to feeling overwhelmed is to shut down and shut out. Getting stuff done mode demands me shutting down and shutting out until the stuff gets done. And this is a great strategy. Well, it's an okay strategy in the short term, but there is always stuff to do. And the thoughts and feelings of being overwhelmed are a constant, well, have been constantly with me since, well, university days. It was how I got through those times in every semester when there were like two or three major essays due in one week. 
And you might have adopted that kind of just smash it out uh, attitude while you were studying as well. And it worked because the work got done. And the work got done to a high standard. I got good results. So I kept on doing it. And I became really good at it. And as I said, there were times that I would delay starting something until I felt that kind of feeling of overwhelm, that stress, that kind of need to just sort of get into GSD mode and smash it out. And overwhelm and being overwhelmed was the cure to procrastination. But, you know, (laughs) I, I procrastinated so I could then cure procrastination. It was this kind of weird cycle that I was in and you might actually be in too. But I want to say that overwhelm absolutely feeds my loneliness because I miss, in shutting down and shutting out, I miss others' bids for connection with me because I'm living with very narrow blinkers on. I'm wearing very narrow blinkers and I justify missing precious connective moments with myself, with those most important to me and to my community because I've got stuff that really must get done and I'm the only person to do it. And those connection bids are everything. And they're tiny. And if we're in getting stuff done mode, we just sort of go straight past them because they've got nothing to do with what we're doing in that moment. And those connective, those connection bids are, well, that's what helps us feel connected and feeling connected is the opposite of loneliness so missing those bids for connection absolutely feeds my loneliness and missing those connection bids absolutely feeds your loneliness so here's some advice for you if you are an overwhelmed diplomat i invite you to consider this what are the sources of the demands that you feel are upon you. Is it someone specifically? If it is someone specific, speak to them, clarify their expectations. But be honest, is the primary source of the demands that you feel on you, you? Are you the source of these unrealistic demands and expectations? Sit with that for just a moment. Because there is always going to be more work and expectations on you to do it than there can ever be time. But, and there's great power in this, you can choose how you approach the work and all of the tasks that you feel you're expected to do. Whether those expectations are coming from you or outside of you. And you get to learn other ways of coping with all the work and expectations that you feel you have upon you beyond smashing it out, beyond getting into GSD mode. There are other ways of coping with all of those work and expectations. And you get to be gentler on yourself and choose to not hold yourself to unreasonably high expectations of the quality and quantity of work that you can get done in record time. And when you get yet more work placed upon you, because, you know, let's be honest, generally in the public service, in government service, the reward for doing good work is more work, 
you get to decide as quickly as possible when more work comes in, whether you delete, delay, delegate, or do it in that order. And the number of decisions that you're reasonably expected to make without a mistake in your work is frankly unconscionable. And access to your time and expertise is precious. I want to repeat that. Access to your time and your expertise is precious. So if work comes in, let's imagine an email comes in, you get to decide whether it's you delete it or you seek to delay it by negotiating another due date. You delegate it to someone else or you do it. And it has to be in that order. Delete, delay, delegate or do. And speak up. Speak up. If you're feeling overwhelmed, ask for support. Because that asking for support is actually a bid for connection. Then, when others actually offer to step in and support you, my dear friend, my overachieving friend of a diplomat, surrender. Accept. Accept the help that is given and let go because the world will still revolve on its axis if you're not involved in every meeting or don't respond to every email, text message, phone call or other other ways of getting your attention. And I want to say this. This has been really working for me. How I choose to be in myself with those most important to me and my communities is as important as what I do. How I do it is as important as what I do. My friend, the same applies for you. How you do something is as important as what you do. So, what do you do when you feel overwhelmed? And how do you move from feeling overwhelmed to feeling sufficiently whelmed because if not feeling overwhelmed leaves you feeling underwhelmed then invite you to really reflect on what tools and strategies you need to develop and practice to bring yourself back off that level of being overwhelmed and remember getting stuff done mode is great in the short term but it's incredibly dangerous It's an incredibly dangerous way to operate as your ongoing default setting. And remember, there are other ways of being a great diplomat that allow you to remain human. You get to explore that. And I'm right here if you want to explore that with me. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. If you've got a question for me, as always, reach out to me on socials or send me an email to admin at thelonelydiplomat.com. And if you got something from this episode, I'd really appreciate it. If you could tap like, give a five-star rating, or if you're feeling especially brave and awesome, leaving a written review on the service through which you're now listening to these words. I'd really appreciate that because it helps get this content in front of other people. 
it does sound like you're getting ready to go. So until next time, be awesomely and humanly you, because the world really does need more you. All sounds used are freeware in the public domain. All views expressed in this episode are my own and do not reflect any official position. I am not a licensed mental health professional. I encourage you to seek the services of a licensed mental health professional if the content of this episode challenged you beyond your current capacity to mentally, emotionally and or physically respond yourself. Thanks for listening.